0: A couple months ago, I called my mom and I convinced her to come and uh, and share with us, and in a, in a kind of the form of a conversation uh, about about moms and mother Day. This is my mom, uh, Leslie, and uh, <laughs> she's been my mom my whole life. <laughs> and uh, and so um, here in a second, we're going to get into uh, everything that we have for you, but um, just so excited for you to be here. Me too. She, uh, Am I on? Make sure you're on. Yep. Yeah, you got this. It, it's taken me many years to convince her to join me in, in, in something like this. And, well, uh,
1: this is better than you asking me to do the sermon. That's true. I said no. I told to you that. I would.
0: I would. I'd hold your hand. We'd be up here together. And, yeah. and so, um, so would you just help me welcome my mom this morning? <laughs> Thank you. So we're gonna we're gonna have a seat and. Uh, and we're just going to have a conversation together. And um, so first of all, um, you know, you're not a common face around here in New life, so we're, tell everybody where you're from. And
1: Well, before we get started, I want to say a happy Mother's Day to Jenny, myself. Jenny's my daughter. We don't use the in-law around here. Um, Jenny came, I like to say, kind of bebopping into my life when she was, what, 19 years old? Ish.
0: Yep.
1: Yep. And from the moment I met her I was like this girl has energy and wit and I loved her a lot and I knew she was a great match for you.
0: She's the funniest person I've ever met she that's for sure. She is hilarious.
1: Yeah. But I also had the honor of being with Devin and Jenny the day the twins were born and they actually lived with me for the first year and a half and I'll tell you during that time Jenny and I really bonded as mother daughter. And I watched her become a mother, and I watched her mother these boys. She was a rock star she was. from the start. And I love you, Jenny. Happy Mother's Day. It's your turn to cry.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, <laughs> um, so you are a mom, but mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. Like, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where'd and, I come from? Okay. You, <laughs> where, do, where do people come from?
1: Where did pe- we, we covered that like 25, 30 years ago. Um, I, um, my parents were ministers in the Salvation Army, so I was a PK. And a lot of people aren't aware that, that was, that's actually a church as well. So I watched my parents serve at church. I was there when the doors were open. Um, the Salvation Army also has a mission of serving people and serving people in need. So I was exposed to that at a really early age, and about the age of five. And I think we have a picture of me at age five on Mother's Day. Yeah, right there it there. is. That's me. Happy Mother's Day, 1970. So now if you do math, if you do the math, you, you can, know how old I am.
0: Because that was a question I wasn't going to ask, but then I just realized <laughs> if you're good yeah. at math. And you're five in that picture. Yes. We can figure it out pretty good. Yeah, quick.
1: I'll let you figure that out. But anyhow, um, when I was that age, honestly... You a look summer,
0: like a tiny version...
1: Of Trey. ...of my
0: youngest brother. Yeah. I always knew there was something special about him. Yeah.
1: When he was 16, he discovered a picture of me about his age in a skirt. And he's like, Mom, no 16-year-old wants to look like their mother and in a skirt. And Well, it's the thing true. is, I mean,
0: your, hair, your haircut was Very similar sim- to his haircut at the same age, so it's hard to tell.
1: Well, the thing about that haircut is I, I don't have an appreciation for that. My mom swears that was in style in the 70s. Some of you might remember that. Um, but me and my cousins, all of us, we hated that haircut. Is
0: there a chance that you'll go back to this haircut? Never. Okay. Never, never.
1: So anyhow, when I was five years old, on a Sunday night, my father gave... Um, a call to the altar for anybody that wanted to become a follower of Jesus and at five years old I made that decision mm. and I can sit here and tell you that every single day of my life I've never wavered from that like that was real for me it can be real for a child and I took it seriously from the start and I was probably a little hard on myself because of it but so yeah I was saved at five years old I was uh, a daughter that honored her parents, I like hated to do anything wrong, and to be honest, that you were the same way as a child you you did not like disappointing your parents, and that was kind of my heart too. did well in school, no one had to help me, no one had to tell me what to do. Um, I just honored my parents and I honored what I thought how the life I thought God wanted me to live so how did your
0: siblings feel about this perfect? Leslie that you were?
1: They kind of had an attitude about, oh, perfect little Leslie. And the thing is, my mom would use that term for me. And so moms, be careful what you say about your kids, because my mom would, oh, she's going to watch this. She's going to know. She's going to know. She's going to know. Well, she was so proud of me, but I don't like to be in front of people. (laughs) Which is I why I
0: had to pay you a large sum of money to be here today.
1: Yeah. I don't like to be in front of people. I don't like attention. But my mom was so proud of me, so she did give me a lot of attention. And so, uh, yeah, my siblings kind of struggled with that. Now, they were a lot older than me, so by the time I was 12, they were both up and out of the house And so they had problems with, well, why does she have a key to the house? I didn't have a key to the house when I was 13. Well, my parents worked and I had to get in the house, but they were always very in tune to the thing, the way my parents taught or treated me versus how they felt they got treated. So anyhow, great question. Um,
0: Where did you live?
1: Oh, we lived, I never lived anywhere more than three, three years growing up. The Salvation Army officers got transferred a lot, so, I don't think you want me to list all the places, but I lived a lot of places between Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York. Yeah. Uh, the last place I lived with my parents that I consider home would be the Cleveland, Ohio area, okay. because that's the last place where we were together. Yeah. But you know, I graduated from high school.
0: How old were you when you graduated high school?
1: I was young. I was 17. I skipped a grade. See, so I told you I did good in school. I skipped the 11th grade and I graduated when I was 17. I had already met your father, and my heart was set on getting married very young, and I don't think my parents were 100 percent on board with that.
0: No, were you, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you guys engaged before you even graduated high school? Yeah, he had asked the question
1: before yeah. I had graduated from high school, and I went to a large high school. There was about almost 700 in my graduating class and I was like number 60 as far as GPA and when my guidance counselor asked me what college I wanted to go to I said I just want to be a wife and mom and she was devastated she called my mom in for a meeting you can't let her do this but that's what I did yeah um so engaged at 17 yeah married at 17 you were married at 17? you didn't know that one month (laughs) Can you were you imagine? expecting to? No. No babies. Um, but I, um, was that your question?
0: No, you were, you were married at 17.
1: Yeah, but you, you just asked me if I was expecting. I know, Is that that's what you a joke. Mean? Okay, well, I wasn't. If I was, I would have told you, but I...
0: Wait, I don't feel was, like you told me you're married at 17. I was
1: married at 17, one month shy of 18. There you go, so
0: okay. My dad had right. to
1: sign for us to have a marriage license. Wow. And I know that was hard for him, um, but they, my parents knew I was always very mature for my age, mm. Uh, kind of an old soul, and there was no talking me out of it. But when I had 17 year olds, trust me, I would have been talking them out of it.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Who has like someone that's 17, 18 years old? Yeah, I, I just
1: can't believe they let me do it, but they did. And you know, I was in love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So married right before you are 18? Right before I was 18. Your, before you were 18.
1: Your dad was still in college. Yeah. He was in his last semester of college. And so I moved to be near him,
0: Philadelphia area.
1: Yeah, in the Philadelphia area. And then he and I, um, we had met working at a summer camp. So we worked at that summer camp one more time as a married couple. And uh, so where we met.
0: Camp Neosa. Camp
1: Neosa, Northeastern Ohio, Salvation Army Camp. Um,
0: So teen camp.
1: Teen camp. Send your kids to
0: teen camp. They might get married at 17. I was a
1: lifeguard. Yeah, I was a lifeguard. He Classic
0: a, lifeguard, camp, camp counselor. Camp counselor. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's the story. Um, but then about, I want to say seven months after we were married is when I became pregnant with our first son. Yeah. And so I was living the dream, right? I got married. I had a baby. Yeah. It's, it was my heart's desire. So how
0: old were you when?
1: Joshua was born. When
0: Joshua was born.
1: He was, I was 19. 19. Was still very young. Married. Married.
0: 19. You're now 19, first child. Yeah. And how many? How many? Tell everyone how many kids you've had.
1: Four sons. Four sons. Yep.
0: And name them off.
1: Name them off. Yeah.
0: Name them off. Name all four. Okay. Josh. It gives us some context for the yeah, rest. Yeah, sure. You know?
1: Joshua's the oldest, and then Devin came two years later, and yep. then three years later Bryce was born, and then six, six years, years later, later Trey was born. That last ditch effort to have a girl did not work out. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. kept
0: trying for a girl.
1: And actually the plan was we wanted two more because we had these three kids together in age, and then we had Trey, and we thought, well, he needs somebody, because mm-hmm. I was really far removed from my brother and sister in age, and I always asked my parents, why didn't you have one more for me? So I was gonna have one more for Trey. But he turned out to be the most difficult baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I
1: said no more. Yeah,
0: that one That one changed your mind. He cried forever. You tell him about the the window story. The what? With Trey.
1: The window, window. story? Help me. It's
0: how colicky he was.
1: Oh, colicky. that story. I don't yeah. know Come it, on, tell it, the story. All right, I'll tell the story. We
0: only have one CPS worker in the building today.
1: Uh, one CPS worker? Can I see where they are? Uh, no.
0: Okay. That's oh, the... He just raised his hand.
1: <laughs> gotcha. All right. No children were harmed in this story, but he did—he did cry a lot. He, he was colic. He, that's and, what they said. And
0: he had Kawasaki disease.
1: Well, that was not until after he was a one-year-old. Okay, well, he kind of straightened out. I called after it motorcycle
0: that. disease, but yeah.
1: <laughs> but he just—I had never had a baby that cried so much.
0: Non-stop. non Nobody could help old. me
1: with him. He didn't want his dad. He didn't want his brothers. He only wanted me. He cried, 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 and. I hardly got sleep, and I remember one night in the middle of the night, he was probably two months old, and he's screaming his head, head off, and I had my hands under his arms, and I'm looking at him, and I'm smiling while he's screaming in my face, and I said, Trey, you are so lucky your mommy loves you so much, or I would toss you out the window. <laughs> but I did not. I did not toss him out the window.
0: Uh. Don't worry, his brothers and I, we took care of that later on in life. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: But so, you know what, my style of mothering, people used to ask me, why does he cry so much? And I, I'd say, I don't know, because the doctor said colic, well, three months went by, six months, well, he's just an excessive crier. And I was like, no, duh. That checks out. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, he did get this Kawasaki disease around 14 months, and he was pretty sick. And I feel like that was a turning point for little Trey because he was so sick that by the time he felt better, he's like, I shouldn't be crying so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know my mom asked Trey when he was about five, or no, Trey asked my mom, Grandma, why why did I cry so much? Because she was telling him the story of how he cried. She goes, I don't know, Trey. I was hoping one day you could grow up and tell us. Yeah. (laughs) And... Just one more, poor Trey, when he watches this, the Trey stories are great. We used to sit at the dinner table, and he would get removed for one reason or another. We didn't allow all the, you know, the kids did not rule the roost in our house. And if he got out of control at the dinner table, up to his room he would go, and uh, he would scream the whole time. And I would say, when you're quiet, you can come back to the dinner table with us. And he would be up there screaming at the top of oh, his I remember. lungs. I'm
0: quiet now. I'm quiet now. I'm
1: quiet now. <laughs> and uh, I told him actually just recently, what you didn't know in those moments was I was right on the other side of the door with my hands on the doorknob, waiting for him to just take a breath so I could catch him doing something good yeah. and being quiet. Because I really didn't want to leave him in there. He's like, well, oh, we did. Mom. Well, you did, Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, yep. And then um, just to kind of finish the story of me before we get into motherhood, um, married young, four kids, Uh, Devin's dad and I spent 11 years serving delinquent boys, uh, working at a place called George Jr. Republic. So I had my own boys, and I had eight delinquent boys that we were responsible for. And ultimately, we moved to Ohio for your dad's job. Mm -hmm. And... um, That's where spiritually you really came alive in the church we were at in Worcester, Ohio. Um, You know, we'll get to more details on the story, but ultimately Devin's dad and I did divorce, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But through that process, I had to become a full time working mom. And I worked for Walmart Stores Incorporated, and I rose, you know, I, I rose through various positions there.
0: Well, you were very successful.
1: I was successful, but here's the thing. My dream still was that I wanted to be a wife, and I wanted to be a mom. Nothing in me was it my choice to be a working mom. And I know for a lot of women, it is a choice, and that's absolutely fine. But my personal desire was I wanted to be home with the kids, and I had to make this sacrifice and work full time. (laughs) And I... um, You know, it was hard for me then to balance the things that were important to me in the home and then having to provide for the family, but God showed me favor, and that was in the song we sang this morning. It kind of made the tears start flowing because what I didn't want or need was recognition or accolades or promotions. That was never anything that I chased after but it happened, Mm -hmm. and I went from a part-time cashier at Walmart until I got into HR. Um, I uh, piloted a brand new position for the company. There were only 40 of us in the whole country where I was the people manager in uh, a store in Ohio, and ultimately that led me to the corporate office where um, I worked in equal employment opportunity and created software for the company. I mean, who, who is this girl? I didn't go to college. Yeah.
0: High school degree. Yeah. Married at 17. Yeah. <laughs> apparently
1: four babies. Yeah. Apparently Yeah. <laughs> four babies. And now, all, you know, single mom. And now, you know, I'm at the corporate office. I'm developing software. I'm working across various functions of Walmart between Walmart, Sam's Club logistics, and ultimately felt called back to Ohio in in an HR position where I had responsibility over multiple stores and ultimately, without even trying, the phone rang one day and I was promoted to a regional director where at one point I had responsibility for half of the stores in Ohio, then to the entire state where my organization was over 90,000 employees. Mm -hmm. I did not try to do this. But this, and you rose
0: uh, to this regional human resource mm-hmm. director of a Fortune 500 company yeah. as a mom with a high school degree. That's right. Like, you defeated all odds.
1: That's right. Like,
0: even their minimum qualifications for some of these jobs. I didn't meet them. You didn't meet them.
1: But I, but I interviewed, and they saw something in me.
0: So that's incredible. It is incredible. So, I mean, that's just such a story of, like,
1: Tenacity. A tenacity. <laughs> I had four boys to raise. Like, remember, at this point, at this point, I, I didn't have a husband. Right. And I saw their faces and knew doing more meant more I could do for them. Yeah. And it was God's favor on me, to t- honestly, to take care of you guys. Because trust me, I would have preferred to have a husband providing for me, which I do now. We'll get to you in a little bit. Um, Because life took a turn for me in this story. But God gave us, as a family, what we needed when we needed it. Mm -hmm.
0: I remember very well. Let's talk about raising four boys, though, because uh, you were were a total boy mom.
1: Total boy mom. uh, Totally meant to be a boy mom. Meant
0: to be a boy mom. And so, (laughs) I mean, uh, what do you have to say about raising us four?
1: <laughs> My the first thing I think about. I have a few cards just in case I miss something. But the first thing I think about when I think about raising you four boys is how tired I was all the time.
0: So that's normal.
1: That is normal. There you go, moms. Yeah. So at, you know, but but there's something to be said about at the end of the day after at the end of a hard day with kids, and we have a lot of hard days, right, moms? At the end of a hard day, whether you're working in the home or you're working out in the marketplace or you're balancing both, um, there's something really good about the end of the day when you know your kids are all sleeping and they're tucked in their beds and you fall into bed exhausted, but you know you did your best that day. I loved going to bed thinking about what I accomplished that day for my family because y'all weren't easy no. I mean, on one hand... We they, tested you. They did. Um, Joshua, Joshua, our oldest, probably had the strongest personality. Yeah. I'm um, being kind as a child. <laughs> and, and he would exhaust me. I would feel like there were days all I did was correct this boy or follow after him or say, don't do this, don't do that always looking for that little window where I could praise him. And, and then Devin was... I don't know if it's because you saw what happened to oh, Josh. Oh, 100%. His...
0: Okay. 100%. Like, <laughs> the only reason I was even seemingly a good kid is because I watched what happened to Josh. <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, noted.
1: Noted. <laughs> yeah.
0: I will not make that mistake.
1: And we used to tell Joshua, well, your dad and I would tell him, look someday Devin's not going to be a little boy and he's going to have enough of you and he's going to do something to you. And it took about... I th- I Tell say what I did. Tell him what I did. I, wa- I, I did. think it took about... <laughs> I think it took about five years, I'm thinking. So he was probably five. Joshua was around seven. And he had had enough. It had been a long day of trying to play together, being picked on, oh, yeah. punched, whatever. And out of the blue, this meek and mild boy of mine his fist went back and he punched Joshua right in the chest and knocked him onto the ground yeah and it was hard to be mad at him because we had been waiting for that moment thinking that thinking that this is what his brother needed to turn him around and I know your dad and I were really trying hard not to smile
0: yeah I think every parent has that moment where like you shouldn't be laughing right now but like yeah. This is
1: funny. Yeah, it was really hard not to smile. But I remember Josh was sitting there shocked, and he just looked up at us and said, "I can't believe he punched me."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like we've been telling you. Uh, and I think we we. This a, is
0: not something we condone, okay, no, young men. We do
1: not condone. <laughs> and actually, you're well beyond that stage of life. You know, do, do you remember, boys, the one time I was watching you and you were getting at it in the back seat of the car, and I made you sit on your hands. You thought it was hilarious, but I made them sit on their yep. hands. It worked. You're skilled. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so Josh and I didn't always get along no. when we were in our early childhood. In
1: early, but yet you were friends. Like you did everything together. We you did had, everything together. They had the same group of friends. They did everything together, but there were just these moments. I mean,
0: our feuds really built into quite the friendship they in, did. in high school. We, we were really best friends, actually. Yeah. Um, and
1: eventually they let Bryce be their friend. I think it took till Bryce was about 14 before they he even was liked so
0: him. annoying, though, for <laughs> the longest time. We weren't going to let him be cool for a second. Um, but Josh and I, um, we vacationed in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories is oh.
1: Even on the beach, Joshua wasn't always happy. And he was picking on, you know, you, you feel like such a great mom and dad. You're sitting on the beach. You provide this opportunity for your kids just to play. And he, he was still picking on his brother. So, and he kept calling him stupid on this particular day. And I remember sitting there, and I'd heard him call him stupid a few times too many. And I finally said, Joshua Michael Galloway, I did not name your brother stupid. I named him Devin Joel Galloway, and you will call him Joel, or Devin, sorry, Joel, sorry. and you will call him Devin, and he just looked at me and he goes, well, you should have calling him stupid. <laughs> yeah. And you had to hide your face laughing. Well, my aunt and my mother were sitting there, and their magazines came up in front of their face. <laughs> they were laughing. Yeah, I was so angry with him.
0: Uh, well, Josh and I had a little back and forth one time About because our uh, because of the size of our family, you and Dad had basically made Josh and I's bedroom the attic. Yeah, like old school attic with like wood plank floors, the ceilings that are like this. Yeah, no heat, no air conditioning. No heat, no air conditioning. (laughs) So I, I, which by the way, I mean I don't know how people live without air conditioning, but I think about that. Yeah, like that's that's like ridiculous, I can't mm-hmm. believe, I mean, I should have called Ben,
1: <laughs>
0: because that was hot, but anyway, we had this feud where, uh, uh, I think for your sanity, you always basically told us two things, either go outside, yep. or go to the basement. That's right. We heard this a lot.
1: Every and so day.
0: Every day. And so, um,
1: for my sanity.
0: So we hung out in the basement a lot, and so one night, uh, we're down in the basement, and it got late, I think we, I remember watching the Olympics or something, yeah. and I look over and my brother Josh fell asleep.
1: And Dad and I were in bed already. And you
0: guys were already in bed, mm-hmm. and we, you told us what time to go to bed, we could stay up or whatever, and so, so I turn off all the lights, I go up three flights of stairs to the attic bedroom that Josh and I shared, and I left him down there, because yeah. he fell asleep. I was like, hey man, time to go to bed.
1: The paybacks.
0: And so I shut off all the lights, and uh, because what happened was the weekend before he did that to me, I remembered waking up in the middle of the night and it was completely black down there. All I could see was the clock and the v c r flashing, <laughs> and that's the only reason I figured out where I was and I was like, that dork left me down here, <laughs> and so I made my way all the way up to the attic and so that so one night he fell asleep, and I did it to him,
1: yeah but unbeknownst to him yes. I had spent my evening painting their bedroom, and so they, they just had mattresses on the floor yeah. up there. And I had moved Joshua's mattress over to the other side of the room because I painted that corner. And when he came up and he was so mad and he tiredly came up the stairs, this is the story he tells, he goes over to where his bed was and from a complete standing position just goes to fall down onto that mattress <laughs> And it wasn't there. <laughs> and our bedroom was right underneath, underneath them, and I heard the noise, and I was like... Boom! Yeah. <laughs> and I said to my husband, did you hear that noise? And he didn't hear it. I was like, there was a loud crashing sound. So we laid there, and we listened for a while, nothing. So we both go back to sleep. See, we weren't that concerned. We, go, we roll over and go back to sleep. Well, the next thing I know, I open my eyes, and Joshua was right here looking at me. And he's like, Mom, I hit my head on the bottom of the pool. <laughs> I'm like, you're dreaming. Go back to bed. And I just sent him back to bed. It wasn't until the next morning that we realized that he had fallen, I mean, dead weight onto the wood floor up there.
0: And, then, uh, and it, thought was your,
1: he, it was your fault. <laughs> thought he
0: hit his head on the bottom of the pool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it
1: was funny.
0: And, uh, I don't know that he's been the same since, but actually, we have some pictures that yeah, you, you brought today.
1: I did. Uh, By look. the way, I got to say, yeah, Joshua has turned out to be the most mild-mannered, straightforward, gentle father he to really his is. own kids. He's an
0: incredible dad.
1: His patient, I don't know if he's patient or if he just ignores things, but he stays calm. I
0: think hitting his head on the bottom of the pool that Maybe night that
1: was it. might
0: have done Maybe. something. <laughs> um, tell yeah. them what this picture is.
1: This picture, um, when we were talking about my life, that's my daddy. His name is Leslie, just like me. I was named after both him and my mom, Leslie Ann. And my dad passed away when he was just a year younger than I am now. So I'm 31 years, I think, without my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, You're not
0: 31 years old. No, it's, 31 years it's since been he passed. 31
1: yeah. years since my father went to heaven. Just to clarify. And look at how he looks at me. This is like my favorite picture ever. I was about 16, so yeah, that was it. Oh be my married. gosh, I was going to be married the next year. was yeah. a baby. But anyhow, I just wanted to share that picture. I love my dad.
0: The bangs though.
1: I, they were pretty awesome, yeah. 80s bangs. Let's take
0: a look at this next picture. Yeah,
1: keep going that's me and your pastor that's baby devin baby devin yeah. hey
0: you know you oh. you kind of are wearing something today that's similar to maybe what you're wearing in that picture
1: what do you mean Green.
0: Ooh, you're wearing that the green stripe thing
1: <laughs> yeah green it's green
0: yeah Okay. all right close just, okay
1: <laughs> such a boy
0: uh let's look at this next one what, what do you have here? That's
1: also me and baby Devin. Baby Devin. 21 year old you're, Leslie. You're
0: 21 in this picture.
1: Yeah, you were 21 when your boys I were I mean, born. the
0: bangs, again, is, is the, uh, to me the highlight of this picture. Yeah, sorry. High light. Yeah. Um, all right, what do, you, what do you have next here?
1: That's you and me and Joshua. He doesn't look like a mean child. I, See, know, I told Devin last night, I was like, he looks so sweet, but it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, no. Okay, let's see what you have.
1: Hey, and listen, if you have a kid that's just not the sweetest, we still have to be sweet to them. That's right. And that's... I really I really tried to give him the tender treatment that he deserved. Yeah. He made it hard.
0: Who's this little dude? That's Devin. Ma'am, he... I've had a chubby face my whole life.
1: I'm sorry. You um, Ooh, uh
0: okay, it. let's see what you have next. Yeah. Here. There's the four oh, of there's us. There's
1: the four of them. And see, Joshua always loved the babies. He really did. Yeah.
0: And uh, so... Uh,
1: we don't talk about Bryce much, the third one. He, but there's
0: a lot to say about there's him. There's a
1: lot to say about Bryce. He, he was born a goofball, and yes. he's still a goofball. Yeah.
0: Yes, he is. Yeah. Um,
1: As you'll see soon, we've actually. Al- we've
0: almost lost Bryce a few times.
1: Yeah. Bryce would get lost... Um, Bryce get hurt
0: sorry about losing his life
1: we're talking about losing his life yeah he he's been to the emergency room more than any of the boys there was a time I think when he was in that two to three range he went to the emergency room three times in two weeks and I literally thought they were gonna take him away from me yeah I thought they were gonna take him away from me because he my dad was sick at the time he took one of my dad's pills. I was pretty confident it wasn't a dangerous pill, but you don't know, so you got to go and do all the things. Then he fell down the steps, and then he Drink. swallowed more poison. He yeah. swallowed poison.
0: Because Pennsylvania was infested with those, uh, what were those things?
1: Were they locusts or, uh, I don't know, those bugs that come around like every, I don't know how long, oh, cicadas, yeah. I don't know. They were eating the trees. So, we had so to... you take a teaspoon of this liquid 7- And you put it in a whole gallon of water and spray it on your trees. That's
0: how concentrated it was. And it was
1: after my dad had died, and like shortly after. I was mixing it. I walked away from it. (laughs) I shouldn't have walked away from it. But I was right there, and I was on the phone talking to uh, the company that was making my dad's headstone. So it was a very emotional moment. And all of a sudden, this toddler comes up to me and goes, Mommy, yucky. And I see all this concentrate in his mouth, and I screamed. Straight up,
0: drank poison.
1: Straight up, drank poison. This is Bryce. He he probably liked it. <laughs> and although he did say yucky, he did, yeah. But he, I dropped the phone. The poor person on the phone dropped the phone, and I rinsed his mouth out. That was probably the saving decision that I made. And rushed him to the hospital you literally
0: picked him up and ran him there
1: i ran him well first i ran him to the nurse's station on the campus we were living at that was dumb he should have gone straight to the car but the whole time i'm running i'm thinking my dad has just died i don't understand why he died and i was bawling and i was thinking i was saying jesus is this the reason my dad is in heaven because i know my baby will be in heaven with him i literally thought this child was gonna die he was fine he, this kid has so many lives
0: he he does yeah he has many lives. <laughs> All right, let's look at this next picture. Uh, there we are again. Look at There's a goofball over there's there. There's
1: the goofball on the right. Told you.
0: Yep. Silly and, boy. Uh, so let's see, I'm probably 14,
1: Yeah. 15. That would have been about the age we knew you were headed for full-time ministry.
0: Yeah, I definitely felt were, a call. He was
1: talking about it at this age.
0: Definitely felt the call of God in my life. Yeah. A couple of things I would note about this picture is the, the wallpaper. The wallpaper,
1: yeah. Sorry. Um,
0: you wallpapered everything.
1: It was the 90s.
0: And that picture behind Trey and Josh.
1: On the wall is freaky. That
0: looks really creepy. Uh, I don't know what that and why that was in our I house. I actually
1: paid money for that. I don't know why. I,
0: yeah. I just think that, anyway, what, what's next here? Um, uh, oh, yeah, there's you. And me.
1: I was, was actually. You this, were at Fine Arts. This is at
0: Fine Arts, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had to wear a turtleneck to sing in this group. Yeah, and you did.
1: I, I wore one to keep you company.
0: I felt bad. So anyway, I was uh, thinking that I was going to grow my hair out. You did. Yeah. Is that next? I don't know. What's next? No. That's not next.
1: Here's our family. There Um, we are. The boys, dad and I, and we're up at Old Orchard Beach, Maine, where we would um, vacation each year.
0: Dude, Josh's pants. I mean, (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. All right. Uh, All right. What's next here?
1: Oh, also up at Maine, this bench and the, this ice cream place. We went every every summer. We always took a picture of the boys on that bench. We had lots of those.
0: Yeah, every year we take that picture. Okay.
1: Hey. Hey, there he is.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I, <laughs> Do you have anything to say about that picture, Mom?
1: Um, his, he had hair like Jesus.
0: Yeah. I mean, what do you do when a kid decides to look that way in your house?
1: I let you. You did. I let you guys. I mean, Joshua had bleached hair in the previous picture. Yeah, he did.
0: Uh, So, yeah. And even
1: when it came time for your senior picture, he thought, maybe I should get my hair cut. Maybe I should get my hair cut for my senior pictures. And I said, well, if you don't want to... You don't have to. I was like, "That's who you were."
0: That's who I and was, so man. He
1: took his senior picture and then he cut his hair.
0: I would do anything to have hair that thick again, to be honest.
1: <laughs>
0: my forehead looks smaller in that picture. All right, let's get that down. Let's go. Um, okay, this is actually this is you in a phase of life where you were
1: single a mom, single working, working mom. mom in Arkansas. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: so that would be that would have been my senior year. Cut the I, hair, so I, I must have had my pictures I taken. I
1: actually think you were graduated, and this is when you came back to visit okay. me. Okay, I came down mm-hmm. from Indiana. We All right, uh, let's
0: go to the next one. Uh, again, same. Yeah, that's Chrissy, the Josh's girl. wife. Yeah, that's Josh They wife. were dating and or engaged. They there were engaged like there, yeah. Okay, next. Okay, and there's us adult boys.
1: Pretty recent.
0: Uh, a few years ago. Yeah, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, all
1: right. I love this picture, I made him put it in, because when these four boys get together, they are like children again.
0: We revert back. Yes. We definitely and do. And actually,
1: Jenny can probably remember when she joined the family, I think Chrissy, who was married to Joshua first, warned her, look, when the Galloway boys are together, we don't exist. That's, <laughs> isn't that about true? And so it's kind of like the wives, the children, yep. and then the boys. And so we took all the grandchildren to the playground that day, but I think they had more fun.
0: You took the children to the park. Yeah. There they are. <laughs> uh,
1: this wasn't that long ago. Maybe three, four years at Tops.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe four years ago. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. But they all got their feet off the ground and it took them several tries. That to, was
0: the goal. That was so, the goal. All right. The, uh, do you have any another one? Nope.
1: Oh, just the oh, grandchildren. Oh, here's the grandchildren. I got my grandkids. These are the grandchildren from the Galloway side of the family. Dale and I together, my husband, we we have seven children total, um, and eighteen grandchildren. So these are the Galloway grandchildren. So these, so these are, are my brother Josh's. Joshua's girls. girls just this past Christmas. We've got Clara, Annabelle, Eloise, and Jolene. Yeah. Don't sing.
0: Jolene. Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, next.
1: And This is Bryce's children. Yeah,
0: my brother Bryce.
1: And we have, right to left, we have Noah, then Daisy, and Sophie, and little Asa is on Sophie's lap. And he was adopted uh, right before the shutdown in China. Really, really close to the shutdown. Yeah, they were the last family to bring a child out of China. They were very fortunate.
0: Asa's a great addition to our family. And
1: Bryce and Haley, I'll, I'll touch on it maybe a little bit later, if I remember. But Bryce and Haley had a... A fourth child before they adopted Asa, and they lost Pearson um, at birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah very sad. Huh?
0: And next, uh, and hey, you know some these guys, dudes.
1: And Devin told me not to mention the cats
0: because they don't exist to me. <laughs> uh, okay, is that it?
1: I think that might be all the pictures. Is that it? If that's
0: it, just make it go dark. Yeah.
1: Okay, that All was right. it.
0: So we we talked a lot about you as a stay-at-home mom, and that was really like your that was your passion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're just like you never wanted to go to the workplace. Nope. But um. But but how did you become a working mom?
1: Okay. Uh, there was there was a period of time when. Devin's dad got injured on the job. And I was already working part-time at Walmart. And frankly, those 15 hours a week were the difference between us having grocery money and not having grocery money. So I did work part-time. But I had to become a full-time working mom when dad got injured because we needed income and we needed health health insurance. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. Um, And then it became a matter of how do I balance all of the things that are important To me right Um, because and I still use this word to this day my husband will tell you balance is my word I want everything to be balanced I want life to be balanced and as a stay-at-home mom I had to balance um, the work that I did in maintaining our home with time spent with the children and I know that a lot of moms today have that same challenge how do you do that I think it might be a little bit popular today. Um, at least I've heard some moms say, well, I would rather spend time with my children than have a clean house. And I don't know if that's code for I hate to clean. It could be. That's my code. Yeah, because honestly, I don't like to clean. Who likes to clean? But I, I always felt like I had to have this balance for my kids where our home was a place that they felt comfortable bringing their friends, Right where we felt comfortable with people dropping by, and I thought it was also important to teach children, hey, we have responsibilities before we have fun sometimes. Or, and hey, we have to take care of the things that God gave us, like our home. I would home. say you
0: worked those pretty hard.
1: And I, you did, I did. Where I'm a problem solver, Devin. If there's a problem and something's not getting done, I figure out who's going to do it.
0: Yep, it's true. And
1: then, then I check what I expect. So that's true. So you guys clean the kitchen at night, you know, I always came in and said, that's not shiny enough.
0: That's if exactly you, what you uh-huh. would say.
1: If you wipe it with something wet, you have to wipe it with something dry because I want it shiny.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> I'm getting applause over here. It had to be okay. shiny. Yeah.
0: I remember... I, rewashing dishes because they weren't
1: sometimes yeah well anyhow so back to the uh, talking about the balance and how important that is so now I'm working full time and how do I balance all those things in the home with this need for me to work and it wasn't easy Mm. and I had to maybe give a little but I also gave you guys more to do (laughs) too Uh, I raised
0: your youngest son
1: you did
0: I always like to let him know that yeah uh, whenever he's being smart with me, I was like, listen, dude, I changed your diapers. That's
1: right. You did. They ha- and I think that that's good for kids because it's yeah. really about being a family and we all have responsibilities as a family. And they didn't get paid for their chores. You didn't get just an allowance just because. We did not. Everything was, hey, because we're a family, these are things that need to be done and we're going to do them together. But then that changed when I entered the workplace. Yeah. Um, and more responsibility did fall on, especially the older boys. Um, But then my life, actually, I became even... If I wasn't tired before, I became more tired, because there's a lot of things I wouldn't let go of just because I was working. So evenings, I was up later, and maybe that started the problem I have now, was staying up so late. But in the evenings, I was doing housework. I would do grocery shopping at 10 o'clock at night, no so
0: online that, ordering back then. None of yeah. that,
1: no. And because I didn't want to grocery shop on the weekend, but on the weekend, I was making meals for the whole week.
0: Yes, I, I remember saying. this, yeah. that you would like make, like let's say on Saturday night, we were having lasagna, you would make two or three lasagnas mm-hmm. and put, put them in, in the, the freezer. freezer. Mm-hmm. And as a working mom, um, for the sake of you know dinner or whatever, I remember coming home. And there would be that casserole dish mm-hmm. out on the stove with a little post postcard, <laughs> yeah. like what you're, yeah, like and uh, and it would say, boys, <laughs> uh, 375 for 40 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> see you at 9 p.m. or something like that.
1: Yeah, and it would say, mom, and I always put a little heart next to yeah. mom.
0: Or you say, dinner's in the <laughs> freezer, mac and cheese, in the oven, 375, and...
1: And sometimes yeah. your cookies or treats were laying on the counter yep. from when you got home from school. So
0: it just yeah. took that purposeful planning and preparation during your working years. It did. But then but then it, uh, there was another shift in, mm-hmm. in the, the family dynamic there where it wasn't just, okay, you've shifted from a stay-at-home mom, which mm-hmm. w- you really love to do, mm-hmm. and then you became a working mom when dad was injured, and and it was just... Out of necessity. Out of
1: necessity. You do what you have to do. That's what my dad always told me. Yeah.
0: Well, then there was another shift where actually you and dad went through a divorce. We did. Yeah. So talk to me about then becoming a single parent. Yeah. Well, really about that, maybe that transition, because I think a lot of families have been impacted by divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And how did you and dad, like, um, take our family through that difficulty Mm -hmm. Um, I guess with like
1: minimal damage to right. That was always the goal. Um, it was it. It was hard. I was raised by a pastor. I was raised in the church. I know what the Bible says about divorce. Um, but even before we go down this road, and I'm going to be very careful on how I how I frame this because one, it's very personal. There's things that Devon and the children don't know. That's right. Um, there's you know, because it was very private to your dad and I, and that was always our goal to protect the... This was not the children's divorce. <laughs> this was ours.
0: I think that's an important thing to, mm-hmm. to say.
1: Yeah. But um, I do want to say, though, that Devin's dad and I are in a very good place today. Um, this was over 20 years ago, or about yeah. 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago, actually. Um, and today, we are in a good place, and we can have great conversation, and we can share about the kids and grandkids, and frankly, we pray for our children. Um, Devin's dad and Dale and I are committed to praying for our children, including the children that Dale brought to the family. Yeah. So it's really a cool thing, the healing that has taken place over these, this 20 years, because your dad was remarried you know, and um, so there's no, there's no getting back together here. I'm married, um, there, and I don't even think you guys would want that for us, for your dad and I no. to be back. No, <laughs> but, so, but the boys love, they love their dad, and, and so and I, and I want nothing but the best for him. Well,
0: I think the, the, the big thing you said there was that it wasn't the kid's divorce. It
1: wasn't the kid's divorce, and I know for me personally... Um, Well, first of all, I will own up to it. I made the decision to move forward with divorce. You know, his dad did not want that. And without getting into details, I had a lot of valid reasons why I felt like that was the best decision. Um, I was at peace with the decision, but I was struggling with how do I reconcile this with what God's word says, uh, how do I reconcile? Because, you know, there's two sides to every story. There's You can go back over a 19-year marriage and say, hey, there's things I could have done better, and I'm sure your dad thinks there are things he could have done better. But it was all part of this story and this road that just led to an erosion of a relationship that we didn't have the foundation or the depth to come back from, and I know that with all my heart. And so I made the decision... And uh, the boys were going to be with me the bulk of the time. Yeah, I mean, I was the, the we, ha- we shared them, obviously, but they were with me primarily. And my goal came, my goal was to protect them from the pain of divorce. Because a lot of people were saying to me, this is very hurtful, church, because I think church people have the hardest time with handling divorce. It's true. And, and I know why. But, you know, um, when people are hurting, you need to love them through it. And divorce is painful. And I felt like the same thing. I had to love my boys through this. And I had to protect you from the hard stuff. And I would look at Joshua and Devin, who were in high school, and they were acting out a little bit. They were not doing well in their studies like they had been before. And I said, look, you guys... This divorce is not an excuse for you to do poorly at school or in life. If there's a failure here, it's my failure and it's your dad's failure, it is not yours and I'm not going to stand here and watch you use that as an excuse for your life. I would speak these words to these kids. And I would have hard days. I would have lonely days. I would have overwhelming days. Financially, things were overwhelming but for the most part I don't think you knew that because I would retreat to my room or I would talk to a trusted someone about what was going on to shield you guys from that. I
0: definitely would say that we were unaware of maybe how how dark of a place that season was for you. Very dark. Because of you you fought so hard to keep things as normal as possible for mm-hmm. us. And the also, also the thing that I would commend you with the most during that time was, you, you know, you, you and or dad may have been able to manipulate with details of whatever was going on, but you didn't choose to, mm-hmm. you know, um, try to make us on your side, mm-hmm. that even in, um, throughout the divorce, we didn't really know the details.
1: Nope. To this um, day.
0: And I know that you chose not to share those details because it was so important to you that we had a relationship with Dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
1: and the same with him.
0: Yeah, like, I'm sure that there were details there that may have swayed uh, mm-hmm. us boys in one way or the other, but you refused to do that.
1: And, you know, there were, my, my uh, Devin's dad was at one point in time on staff at the church we were attending
0: Right prior to the divorce, right
1: prior to the divorce, and um, people in the church, I think, were just naturally inclined to try to take sides. Sure, who did they love more, Pastor Grant or Pastor Grant's wife, mm-hmm. Leslie? And
0: well, and I think it's important to note too that for the sake of keeping us in church, because mm-hmm. all of us were very involved in church. Yeah. I was very involved in many parts of the church at that time in high school. That that dad, ultimately, he, he did not go to he church. He left the
1: church. Mm-hmm. But
0: you kept taking us to the same church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I would imagine that you had to face something from church people
1: mm-hmm.
0: that was very difficult. Very hard. But I would tell you from my memory, I was completely unaware of anything right. that you were having to face because right. of how you protected us from that.
1: Yeah. I still sat in the front row, like Jenny's sitting there today. And I felt the eyes and I felt um, judgment even, Mm -hmm. but I kept my kids in church. And, you know, my faith is what got me through that time. Um, And I was constantly having conversations with God. I had an hour drive each way to work every day. That was my time for worship. That was my time for crying out. That was my time for praying out loud. That was my time for touching base with Jesus, saying, hey... If I'm missing something here, if I should do something differently, you know, I was seeking, how do I reconcile this decision um, that I made that I thought was for the betterment of the family? Um, And I do today still believe it was the right decision for us. um, But it was hard. And, you know, the church, like I said, sometimes people want to take sides. um, They want to assume they know. And here's the thing. I didn't talk to... Anybody about the details of what I was going through except for with my mother, my sister, and my brother, and they were all hours away from me during this period of time. And it was my brother who said, Listen, I know you don't want to tell people what you're going through, but I need to know. He was saying, I need to know that. You are safe, and that you have support, and there 's somebody who can be there in a moment if you need something and so he convinced me to choose one trusted person, which turned out to be a trusted couple mm-hmm. um, in the church, and they were the only ones I discussed this to, and I trusted that they wouldn 't discuss my business with anybody I
0: think that's that 's so helpful when a family is in crisis mm-hmm. that those details are contained mm-hmm. to to those that can be most yeah. helpful. And our church
1: it, was without a pastor at the time. Yeah, so I didn't even. And have it minimizes
0: that. the damage that can be that it can cause to layers of relationships, mm-hmm. especially in the church world. Yep. So from that season of time, um, you had an opportunity to actually move to Bentonville, Arkansas, I did.
1: Mm-hmm. because
0: of a position with your work. Yep. Um, but it was the summer before my senior year. Yeah. And so I remember you called me to your bedroom. Mm-hmm.
1: That's where all the deep conversations. That's took where all place. of our deep
0: conversations always happened. I always had
1: a teenager laying across my bed telling me their girl troubles, woes. Yeah. What do I do?
0: And I would say that you you helped cultivate that safety in our relationship mm-hmm. from your consistency in our lives. Then when we were teenagers, I remember all of us we just come and find you in your bedroom. We You know, lay down on the foot of the bed, and you'd be sitting there, because most evenings she was in her bedroom with burnt popcorn and Diet Coke.
1: It was good burns.
0: She knew exactly to the second, the time to put in the microwave, to burn the popcorn just right. And it honestly, it smells like complete trash.
1: (laughs) It tastes so good. But
0: she loved it, and so she'd be in her bedroom with burnt popcorn and Diet Coke most nights, and we knew we could go find her there, tell her all of our girl problems, work problems, school problems but you in one of those evenings of conversation you brought up to me that you were approached with an opportunity mm-hmm. in your work mm-hmm. uh, but it would mean moving from ohio to arkansas, arkansas.
1: And, and again another one of those opportunities that i wasn't seeking yeah and but they approached me and to me a newly divorced it was just screaming fresh start that i could be in a place where nobody knew, your dad, Mm -hmm. nobody knew, would know anything but me and my boys. I could have a fresh start in another church, Um, the start of what I thought would be a great career in that I could provide for these boys. Um, It was scary, because it was 14 hours away. It was away from my family, too. Yeah. Um, So Devin was going into his senior year, and it just wasn't feeling right to me. And so I told him about the opportunity And I said, I won't take it, and we'll stay here so you can graduate from your high school with your friends. You know what this kid said to me? This is not going to surprise you guys because you know your pastor. Mm. 17 years old, and he turned to me and he said, Mom, it's just one year of my life, and it's the rest of your life. Wow, right? And so we moved to Arkansas. We did. We packed up. Joshua had already graduated from high school, but he wanted to come too. So all four boys and I, we moved to Arkansas, and we were there for three years, and we all think favorably of those years. I think we all enjoyed the fresh start. We called it, we even called the house our healing place. That's just where things got better. Um, To be honest, I thought I'd go out there and find me a Walmart executive, you know, so I could... (laughs) So I could, you know, go back to being the dream wife and mother that I wanted to be. But I soon found out that a 39, 40-year-old with four boys was kind of baggage to the (laughs) 40-year-old, you know, to the 40-year-old executive. So um, that that was not God's plan for me to stay there. Um, But those were were really, really good years. Um, I... Continue to protect. I had sad times there, too. Yes. Like, I, I, again, my bedroom, I'd just go in my bedroom, and I'd be sad. Or Joshua noticed, yeah, mom goes shopping when she's sad. I don't know if I recommend that. Um, <laughs> a little
0: retail therapy. A
1: little retail but therapy. But there was a point
0: in time where things came kind of to, like, just the heaviness mm-hmm. and the stress of <laughs> the, the corporate yeah, life, the, the cor- single mom, mm-hmm. you know, Details of divorce, four kids,
1: far away from my family, far
0: away from your family.
1: Never really found a church home that, that felt right that for felt you. Felt so right you didn't. To me. You had that lack yeah. of
0: community, but you were always strong for us. You would. I remember hearing you sometimes in your bedroom crying mm-hmm. by yourself. Oh, I didn't but, know that. Yep, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. She was hiding in her closet thinking that we couldn't hear her. <laughs> um, that's But true too. but then it all came to a point uh, centered around this can of Diet Coke. <laughs>
1: You can make me tell that story. Yes. Well, first of all, I would like to submit to the crowd that I no longer drink Diet Coke. It's after, I do not recommend it, and I'm kind of morally opposed to it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not good for you. I actually quit when Jenny was pregnant with the twins. Boys, I quit drinking Diet Coke because your mom, I knew she was having these twins, and I wanted to be around for you, and I felt like I would be healthier without it. But at this point, I was still drinking Diet Coke. And, uh, let me try to think of this story. Well, you just
0: cracked a fresh can, I, yeah.
1: and,
0: and you had set it on the banister no. to the steps. No,
1: this—no, he's got it wrong. It was his Diet Coke. <laughs> it was his Diet Coke. Chrissy, our future daughter-in-law, was visiting us from Ohio, and Devin and Joshua were going to drive her to the airport yes. to go home. He asked me for a Diet Coke, and I let you have one. Which is he, rare. Which is rare although I later found out they stole them. I don't know how I missed that, but... Anyhow, um, they had gone out to the car to leave, and you forgot something. So I came down the hallway toward the front door. You came in, and he set that Diet Coke right on the, the banister, and it wasn't completely flat. And I even said... Please don't put it there. It could spill. It'll be fine, Mom. You know, boys. It'll be fine. And he ran upstairs to get something out of his bedroom. And I guess maybe the vibration of you coming down those stairs was enough to topple this full can of Diet Coke all over the carpet. And remember where this story started. It was a time where it was just one of those times where I was overwhelmed. And things felt heavy. And I was tired. And what that, what that Diet Coke on my carpet represented to me was one more thing to do. Can I get it out? These kids, these kids don't realize when you spill something sticky on the carpet, it, you can't just blot it up. It, it attracts dirt. It becomes a problem. I was probably going to have to hire somebody professional to and do this. And you just this.
0: couldn't take one I more problem. I couldn't take one
1: more thing in that moment, and I lost it. You lost it and i and not in the way that i was yelling at him or anything like i just crumbled i was crying and i was like and he was like what's happening i was
0: like i'm i'm going to clean it up
1: i was like you can't you, you don't gave, know what yeah. it takes to clean this up you can't you got to go just go i've yeah. got it and i'm bawling and i'm down on my hands and knees and he's just like going out the door like whoa yeah and it was it, it was bad it was
0: a bad moment
1: it was a bad moment And we talk about this Diet Coke moment from time to time, time, but that Diet Coke spill was not about you, son. It wasn't about you. The tears weren't about you. It was just that tipping point for me. It was just that one more thing. And you moms have been there. I know you have. And when your kids get you to that point, I just say to you, you... You have to remember it's not about the child. The four-year-old is being a four-year-old. Yeah. The 17-year-old who said it will be fine and you know it won't be fine, you know, they're just being an irresponsible 17-year-old. It's not about believing that I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, that's normal. It's not about the messes,
0: it's not about the mistakes. It's
1: it's 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 about what's going on in you. So in those moments, and I think I did a pretty good job for the most part. That was a bad moment. Those are the moments we protect our kids from because we don't want them to think it's their
0: fault. Because
1: yeah. it's not. I
0: want to finish with talking about um, about when you have a difficult child. Mm-hmm. Because you had a season yeah. where I was even trying to inform you about steps I think you should take. Yeah. And you weren't taking my advice.
1: Yeah.
0: No. And uh, so...
1: I thought about it. I mean, I was weighing advice.
0: So, so basically, you had a child that in high school became very rebellious, mm-hmm. um, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so describe to yeah. us when that came to, like, its worst moment.
1: Yeah. First of all, I wasn't prepared for it. And I, I talked to my youngest son, and I said, listen, I want to share our story. Are you okay with that? So everything I'm about to tell you, I tell... With his blessing. Um, uh, I had three teenagers that were a breeze. All that work we do in childhood with structure and stability, where we build trust with them, is what builds relationships with your kids when they're teenagers. I loved the teenage years. They were my favorite. Um, Until my youngest was about 16, then all of a sudden this switch flipped that I wasn't prepared for, and I was still working full-time in a very stressful job where I worked a lot of hours and I traveled a lot. And he um, he got in, involved with some friends that probably some of them weren't the best influence, and they were doing things that could be life-altering for them and get them in trouble with the law, even. And he wasn't coming home at night. He was trying to sneak girls in his bedroom window, not recommended. And...
0: Re- real quick, I mean, that night specifically, you felt like the Lord woke you up.
1: God has woken me up before. He woke me up with Joshua once, where I I just had this sense that something wasn't right, and I discovered a girl in the house.
0: So moms have that instinct. We have
1: this instinct, and I got awakened that night with Trey, and I knew something was wrong. hmm and I even left my bedroom and I went and knocked on his bedroom door. And he came and he spoke to me, but he was being weird. You know why he was being weird? Because he was being nice to me. This child had not been nice to me in over a year. Hey, Mom, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, a little secret in that room. I was room. like,
1: is everything okay? I was like, I, I feel like something's going on. No, no. And he, he opened his bedroom door. See, everything's fine. And I said, okay, and I'm like going back to, it. he goes, do you want a hug? This is the kid that for over a year barely spoke to me, uh, would tell me stop talking if I ever tried to say anything. He would never say I love you to me. It was a really hard time. So I go back to my room and I'm like, something's wrong. And so I even went over to the bedroom window in our bedroom, and I had a direct line out our window to the back door of our house. And I sat there for the longest time, peeking through the blinds, waiting. I thought something's happening. Either someone's coming out or someone's going in. I found out a long time after this that he literally was trying to sneak the girl through his bedroom window. There's There's a crack in our siding showing the efforts. He couldn't get her in. So after I had gone back to bed, he had taken her in that back door, and I missed it. I just didn't watch mm. long enough. Yeah, that wasn't good.
0: So things were, things were very bad.
1: Things were bad. Um, to the extent that one... I, I knew there had to be some sort of, let's say, contraband in that bedroom. So one night I decided, I'm tearing this room apart. I'm going to find it. I know there's something in my house that doesn't belong here. Yeah. And so I found something... That shouldn't have been there.
0: Yeah, you and did. And
1: I confiscated it and I got it out of the house and I called you. And
0: this is where I begin to advise you, it's time to kick this kid to the curb. Yeah Like he, he did. needs to face real consequences.
1: And Dale and I really talked about it. We talked and I think Dale agreed with you. He's gotta go. Because like, this wasn't he, the first thing. This was thing. senior year of high school. This We're was, talking after graduation. Yeah, this
0: this has been an ongoing...
1: For a long time.
0: Yeah, so anyway. And
1: I was stressed out. So
0: he comes home.
1: He comes home and he discovers this thing was gone. So he must have come home. Boy, was going right for it. So he comes to my bedroom door. Dale wasn't home. And he's pounding on the door. Let me in. You've been in my room. I know what you have. Mom, let me in. And I actually, for the first time, was starting to feel a little frightened. Um, and so I...
0: You called, called me. Called
1: you, and I was like, listen to this. And Devin could hear him just, oh, he was just saying hateful things to me through the door. And I said,
0: "I said, you want me to come? I can be there in five hours. Yeah. And you're like, no. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs>
0: Four and a half if I leave right now.
1: Yeah. But finally, the way that evening ended, I never opened the door. And he, my son left the house that night, and I don't know where he went. Um, he said, I finally said to him through the door, Trey, I'm afraid to open the door. And that kind of crushed him a little bit. Like, that was, I think, the beginning of a softening for him. He's like, I don't want you to be afraid of me. And I said, well, I think I am right now. And so he left the house. And, you know, these are the kinds of things I was dealing with, and it was heartbreaking to me. And this was around the time that I had retired from my job.
0: We didn't talk about it, but you had gone through uh, a cancer story.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, Yeah.
0: So you're through that, I think, at that point, or in it. No, that
1: was before. Okay. Um, But to to kind of wrap up this story with Trey, uh, do I have time to tell the story about the police?
0: I think it's a pivotal point of the story. I
1: do. Yeah. I feel like there's so many more things I want to tell you, and I don't have time. Yeah. But this one's pretty pivotal. Um, Because then it
0: goes to the real point that you want to make. The
1: real point that I want to make is... um, yes, moms, we're responsible for caring for our children, and we're, we're responsible for building trust, and we're responsible for taking care of their needs. But especially as they get older and even into the adult years, there comes a point where we're not, we're not physically parenting them anymore. We're not doing all the things. We don't, they don't always do what we say to do, and they, we don't always know where they are like when they're little. And um, I would go to bed at night when Trey wouldn't come home, And I knew he was doing things that could get him into trouble. And I would even tell him, look, if you go to jail, I'm not bailing you out. Like, it's not happening. You're going to sit there until they let you go. Not doing it. And we would tell him that. And I, I had in my closet, it was my prayer room. And on the back of my closet door, I had a list of people I was praying for. So it wasn't just my kids. It was a lot of things. It was my husband, lots of things. That was my prayer closet. But under Trey's name, one of the things that I prayed for every night, and it was my last prayer before I'd close my eyes every night, especially when he wasn't home, I would say, God, would you please just protect him from the authorities? I know that there are consequences that, are, that could come with his decisions, and I'm asking for a favor. Like, I know he should suffer the consequences, but I'm asking for a favor that until he turns his life around, Will you protect him from the long-lasting consequences of being caught by the authorities? Yeah. So that was my, and it was written on that wall. So fast forward, a couple years, where he straightened out now, and I gotta tell you, to this day, on this very day, Trey Galloway is one of my very best friends. God did a healing work in his life. He still needs to make a decision to be a Christ follower, but man. He is, is that me? Am I making noise? I don't know. Okay. He. Trey? <laughs> I think it's my jacket. I think it's my jacket hitting. Um, you know, he hasn't made that decision, but we have great conversations about the Lord. It, he's going to have a fantastic testimony. So anyhow, fast forward a couple years. We're just sitting in the living room talking, sharing stories. And he's like, Mom, I don't know why I'm about to tell you this. Like, This actually might upset you a little bit. But, you know, back in high school when I was doing all those things, he said there was this night where me and my friends were out in a car. It was after midnight, and, yeah, we were doing things in the car we probably shouldn't have been doing. And all of a sudden, State Trooper lit up their lights and pulled us over. He said we panicked. Windows were being rolled down. Things were being thrown out the window, okay? And the police, and, and not Dale, you're fine, my husband. My, um, Trey said, my window wouldn't go down. So I have this thing, and there's the police, and he's telling me I don't know what to do, so I shove it under the seat in front of me. And so the police take all these boys out of the car, sit them on the curb, and they said, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing, but we got to find proof of what you're doing. So they searched the car. And again, remember, this is him telling me a story from a year to two years before. And he's telling me a story. I'm sitting there smiling at him. He's like, why are you smiling? I'm like, yeah, finish your story. And he goes, so he tells me then that the police find nothing. So the boys pile back in the car. They go back to the friend's house. And he's telling his friends in the car, guys, guys, I couldn't ditch mine. I couldn't, my window wouldn't go down. They're like, what? He's like, yeah, I stuffed it under the seat. They didn't find it. And they're like, oh, we got away with it. And uh, he said the next morning they got up and they went out and looked in the car themselves. And this thing that Trey was trying to hide was in plain sight, like right there under the seat. And by this point, I'm not kidding. He's telling this story. And now I'm pacing. I'm pacing the room. And I'm smiling. He's like, why are you smiling? And I'm like, I know why you're telling me the story. (laughs) And I'm jumping up and down and clapping my hands. I said, I know why you're telling me this story. He, and he's like, she has lost it. And uh, and I said, come with me. Come with me. And we walked through my bedroom, through my bathroom, into the closet. I was like, no, you got to come all the way in. you got to come all the way in. And I shut the door. And for the first time in his life, he saw my door was covered with all my prayers. Wow. Yeah. And I said... See your name, oh, and by, I didn't tell you this. See your name on here? And Trey's list was really long compared to everybody else's. I said, See, your list is really long compared to everybody else's, but look right here. And I said, Protect him from the authorities. Yeah. Protect him from the authorities.
0: And what was Trey's response? Trey's
1: reaction was tears. And I said, No, listen to me. Every night you didn't come home, I was praying God's protection over you. I was like, you deserve every consequence coming your way if you got caught. And I told you I'd leave you sitting in jail. I would not get you out. I was like, but even then, your mother was asking for a favor from God for you. And I asked him to favor you and not let you have, get into the kind of trouble that would change your life. And he was just really quiet. He had some tears. And we, he kind of walked out quietly, and I stayed in there a moment like, whew, Lord, this was a great moment, you know? This is, this is the moment I've waited for. This is when you see your prayers come to fruition. And he came back. Trey came back. And this, is, this was a softening moment in his heart. And he put his arms around me, and he said, Mom, I am so lucky that you are my mother. Yeah? That was a great moment.
0: Yep. Better
1: than the moment where I almost shot him.
0: Yeah. uh, I wish we had time to tell the story when you you pulled a gun on him. Uh, That was...
1: I have to now. Do you guys mind if I tell a real quick one more story? They don't (laughs) mind. Do you mind? If you got to go, you can go, but I'll make it really fast.
0: Who's in control here?
1: T- all right, go for I it. I told them the children didn't rule the roost at our house, right? Yeah. So, um, really, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it really quickly. When I exercise and I'm home alone in the basement, I take my 38 downstairs with me, okay? <laughs> and so I was alone exercising and I'm going along on the elliptical, and all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, I think I just heard a toilet flush and it scared me. And so I texted Trey, who at this point in time, we're still not on the best terms. Not on good terms. And I said, hey, are you home? And he said, no. This is all texting. And I said, he goes, why? I said, I swear the toilet just flushed upstairs. He said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I have my gun. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, I heard footsteps upstairs. And then I heard those footsteps coming down the basement stairs And I'm like, this is it. This is the moment in life where I'm about to take another human life. And it's and the adrenaline's going, and I'm crouched down behind the elliptical, and I got the gun pointed at the door. And in walks my 17-year-old. Hey, you know, mom. Throws the door open. He thinks it's funny, but I had all of this adrenaline going because I'm about to shoot somebody. And oh
0: my god,
1: (laughs) he just heard this story for the first time last night. So I see that it's him. I drop the gun to my side and the adrenaline's going and I'm relieved and I'm upset at the same time. And I just looked at him and I said, are any of your friends with you? And he said, no. And I, my face just crumpled because of the fear that, just, you know, that I had gone through and I, I like sobbed. And he felt so bad. And for the first time in probably two years, yeah. my kid put his arms around me and held me and told me how sorry he was that he did that. And again, I think that tender moment had everything to do with his softening heart towards me again. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So the power of a praying mom.
1: The power of a praying mom at every stage of their lives. Yeah. I'm still praying for my kids. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you shared, we, we have this quote, you have a quote that was at the oh, top yeah. of your Uh. Prayer closet. Yeah. At it's, the top, you have this big brown piece of paper that covers the back of your closet door. Yep.
1: Yeah, and at the top, this quote.
0: We have this quote. Um,
1: Am I reading it or are you?
0: Uh, when it comes up, I'll read it. Okay. There it is. All Go right. ahead.
1: Me? Yeah, oh, I changed right. my mind. You changed your mind.
0: Power move. All right. Go ahead.
1: I, um, I picked this quote up from a friend, and it just says Our loved ones may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments. And even despise our persons. I'm telling you, I felt hated by my son during these years. He doesn't like it when I say that now. Like, that really hurts his heart. He's like, I didn't hate you. It's like, well, you treated me like you did. So despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. And that was the proof that night. And I I have another son who is a prodigal right now. And I'm sure many of you have prodigals. He walked away from his faith. And I pray for him. That's all I can do. I'm not physically mothering him anymore. I'm spiritually mothering him by praying for him and by having a relationship with him. And I probably love him more than I ever have because I know how important it is for him to come home. And every time he comes to my house, he thinks I'm standing on the porch every time. He thinks I'm standing on the porch waving And saying, bye, but I'm really saying, come home every time, because I know he is. And Dale and I pray for our kids. You know, we have two other, uh, well, one other prodigal from his side, and we pray. That's all we can do when you're not doing that physical parenting anymore. And I used to worry that something's going to happen to me before I see my children all come to Christ, I honestly don't worry about that anymore. Like, I so believe it's going to happen. I believe he's going to come home. I believe that the one that I'm having deep conversation with about Christ is is going to make that first-time decision. I don't worry about it anymore because I pray. And moms, the power of your prayers goes very far. It does. In the Father's ear. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And... uh... You wanted to finish by encouraging not just moms, but I think all parents Yeah. with, these, with three things. The first one is uh, stability.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I've touched on that. Providing stability starts when they're little. I, I was always big on routines. I think kids feel safe in routines. Um, I feel like um, that stability comes from giving them responsibility during that first half, the second half of their time at home, we're teaching them to become adults we're giving them more and more responsibility but the stability and trust that you build with your children when they're young turns into a great teen experience for the most part I had a little I had a little blurp there too but but then relationships with our adult children yeah it starts when they're little
0: okay and the, the second thing that you you said was
1: ah. I kind of just said that.
0: Yeah, to stay present in every stage. Every
1: stage. They're your kids, whether they're 40 or whether they're four. Yeah. And I'm very blessed that all of my boys find me to be a place that they can come for advice, uh, to share life's triumphs, to share what's going on in your family. I never feel like I have to work hard to be part of your lives, and thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, I always feel that you know, uh, with my kids that, you know, that God has given me my mm-hmm. three boys. To you. To me.
1: Specifically. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's my
0: responsibility. But also that, that my three boys only have one dad in this entire world, and that's me. Mm-hmm. And so I have a responsibility to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. as a parent. And Jenny and I have to do whatever it takes because God has gifted us these three boys. No one else in the whole world Gets them can, can say that they are <laughs> biologically their mother and father, except right. Jenny and I, and, uh, and that just has to be what mm-hmm. the driving force to be present. It is. I
1: tell people all the time, including Dale, my husband here on the front row, um, I'll say, babe, the best thing I ever did in life was raise these four boys, and I'm sorry, I know you want to be number one, <laughs> tell them. And you're really close, number one, but my favorite part of my life has been having children and having specifically you four boys that God gave me. Well, thanks. Mm -hmm. No girls. God knew.
0: Yeah. Uh, You had a third thing that you wanted to share with parents today, that is to pray like it's your job. Mm -hmm. We stand in the gap when our children uh, either can't, they won't, or they don't know how to pray.
1: And that's true. And when I left my corporate job in 2013 and I got to go home again, I used to tell people my job right now is Trey Galloway, the one I was praying for. He was my job. And I'm praying like it's my job. That was a phrase I used a lot. Yeah. Um, And I did things to serve Trey. Um, I made sure I was home on his lunch breaks from work. Mind you, he's grown up, but I, mean, I I would leave whatever I was doing to be present for him whenever he was home. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't thank me for anything, but boy, I showed up, and it took a long time because that was my job, because I was praying for him, and yeah, Yeah. so pray like it's your job, moms, because it is. Yeah. Well,
0: to. I know it was, it took a really big step for you to come up here and do this with me today. And uh, I know that you probably feel really done right now. Mm
1: -hmm. But. uh, When I left my corporate job, I remember the, I spoke in front of people all the time. Up to thousands of people at a time. And I can do it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like being front and center. I like to serve behind the scenes. Um, And I remember the last seminar I gave, I said, I am never getting up in front of another group of people again. Until today. (laughs) Yeah. Only you.
0: Awesome. Well, I thank you, <laughs> not just for this, but my whole life that, so far, and, and it and it pays forward to to how you love my wife and my kids, and uh, I think that you have an inspiring story that I think needs told more often. Mm-hmm. And so, can we just thank <laughs> thank her for coming today? With all of our moms and grandmothers, would you just would you just raise your hand? Let us see, mamas, where are you at? Look at all these moms. And, uh, and if you have a family member here with you today, I just ask that your family member would just place a hand on the shoulder of, of maybe your, your wife or, or the mom that's near you that's in your family. We just, and we're just going to pray for moms today. And so if you would, just join me in prayer by laying, laying a hand on a mom near you, and, and let's pray uh, and so, Lord, I just pray for every mama in this room today. Lord, every mom that is having, having a dark season with maybe a child right now, and, or maybe that there's, there's sickness in the family, and they're just having that time of just, I can't take one more problem. They're overwhelmed. Or, or maybe, God, I, we pray for moms that are, that are praying for their kids. Lord, would you just fill them with hope? And Lord, I I just want, Lord, I hope that today that every mom in this place has an incredible sense of your love for them, that, that you, God, that you called them to be a mom to those specific kids for this specific time in their lives. And because you called them, God, that they are able and they are capable, and Lord, I pray that every parent in this place would be filled with hope, inspired by, God, your story, that that we are able to parent our kids and love our kids, and we just bless every mom in this place today. We bless them, Lord. We thank them, Lord, for their ongoing encouragement, Lord, to, to those in their family. God, give them great strength, give them great hope, Lord, and continue to inspire them, but, Lord, may they be moms of prayer, because prayer makes a difference, and Lord, for those that are in those trying seasons of life right now with some kids, Lord, I pray that they would they would go into their prayer closet, that they would begin to pray specific prayers over their kids, and that Lord, that we would love our children even when we 're not sure they love us back, but we will. We will be an example unto our kids that when they look at us, it's not just us they see, it's the love of God in us and that is an example for them. So, Lord, I just pray for every home that's represented here today. God, I pray for an increased levels of peace and the presence of God in our homes. That, Lord, that the families of new life, Lord, we would be healthy families. Lord, that we would, we would fight for our kids and for our families. And, Lord, we will see a great outcome in generations to come. So we just bless every mama in this place today. We're thankful for them. And, Lord, may you be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap for every mom. Thank you, moms. Thank you, moms. Thank you for going the extra mile today. I hope that you have a wonderful day with your family. Bless you. Uh, We'll see you next Sunday, if not before. Love you all.
1: Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you guys next time.